Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm Tom Chrisman, Chief Creative Officer at DeMassimo Goldstein, an inspiring action agency in New York City. Today, I got to talk to Mr. Dan Kelleher, Chief Creative Officer at Deutsch New York. We worked together back at BBDO, so we uh, talk about that time and uh, his time at Cliff Freeman, another Cliff Freeman guy. He's from Jersey, so that's cool. And we talk about uh, Cliff Freeman's wall of funny and not funny. What do you hear about that? And then we talk about uh, moving up to to be a, a manager and, and the sort of trials and tribulations of that and the importance of agency culture. So uh, a really good conversation, and uh, I think you're going to like it. But first, let's talk about our, uh, our sponsor. The A-List is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Advertising Age calls Ad House New York's newest, smallest, and arguably hippest ad school. Their philosophy, an ad class is only as relevant as the professional who teaches it. Ad House classes are taught by the best in the biz and the agencies where they work. You get 10 weeks of classes for just 600 bucks. To apply, go to adhousenyc.com. And for the latest news, follow AdHouseNYC on Facebook. And now, my interview with Dan Kelleher. Hello. Hey, is this Dan Kelleher? Hey, what's going on, Tom? Hey, it's Tom Chrisman. I know. <laughs> How are you? All right. You sound good. You right? sound good. No, Matt says you sound great. Okay, Matt loves oh, okay. Matt loves you. I love Matt. I wish I could see him. He's got a poster of you on his wall. It's weird. That's creepy. It is yeah. a little creepy. Well, I have a poster of him, too. So it just happened right. to be there. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, Dan Kelleher. What are we going to talk about? Um, I don't know. We thought I thought we'd talk about you. Oh, okay. You, uh, you're a big shot in the in the industry. You're uh, your chief creative officer at uh, Deutsch, New York. That's correct. You've worked at many uh, agencies in New York, all in New York, right? You've always been in New York. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just it just worked out that way. You know, there was a period where I was looking to maybe go to the West Coast, and mm-hmm. that was when um, I unexpectedly had an opportunity to go interview at Cliff Freeman and Partners. Ah, well, we'll get 90s. to that. We'll get to yeah. that. Wait a yeah, second. That's, that's all the good stuff. I want to go back okay. to the 70s, right? What's when, happening then? When you were uh, you were a young man in uh, where where did you grow up? I grew up in Plainfield, New Jersey. I know it well, but I didn't spend a lot of time really in New York City much as a kid. In fact, I didn't spend much time in New York City until after college, really, when I got my first job. You hung yeah. out in Plainfield, and I I grew up in Plainfield, and we also I was lucky enough that we had a a house on the Jersey Shore that we used to go to during the summers, too. Oh, what um, town was so that? Which, 100% which? Jersey. That was in Normandy Beach. Oh, that's nice. Normandy yeah. Beach is nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, so you grew up in Jersey. You're a Jersey boy like me. I love it. Uh, and what what was your what was what did you want to be when you grew up, when you, were, when you were a kid, like when you were in high school? You know, I always wanted uh, – I really liked a lot of subjects, but I was always very much into art. Um, I was always drawing as a as a kid, even as really young, even as like a five year old. I was drawing, and mm-hmm. you know, I had a, an easel in my room, and I used to draw all the time and listen to music as a kid. And then 
I took art in grammar school, and in, in high school, I took three years of art, which was, you know, most kids didn't elect to do that at my school. And, right. um, you know, then I, I, you know, I went to a small liberal arts college called Lafayette College, and I was an art major there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always knew I wanted to do something creative. You know, I had debated as a, a senior in, in college, I did apply for some MFA programs in painting. Um, so I was going to get a master, possibly get a master's of fine arts in painting. Um, but I was also considering other careers as well. I investigated and spoke to people about uh, becoming a medical illustrator. That was another career I wow. was considering. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it was an interesting career because I thought, I think part of the part of what initially attracted me to it was there's there's really not many medical illustrators out there. Right. And and if you can make it through the program at Johns Hopkins, you have a lot of job security. So I thought that was very very yeah. interesting because a lot of art careers don't have job security. Right. Uh, but in the end, I, I wasn't really excited by drawing veins and muscles and things like right. that. So uh, advertising had always been in the back of my mind, and it's it's interesting because in high school I really didn't like to write. And in right. college, I took some creative writing courses and realized that I actually loved it. Right. So, what was I, it that you were? Uh, what do you think held you back from writing? What What didn't you like about writing? And then what changed that? Well, in high, well, a couple things. I think in high school, I didn't really have great English teachers in the sense that it was very. I, I remember the writing we would do in high school was very structured. You right. know, you oh, you you were supposed to begin an essay a certain way. And you were supposed to introduce it a certain way and set it up a certain way. The yeah. middle was supposed to work a certain way, and then it was supposed to end a certain way. And I, it was so structured that, first of all, I never enjoyed it. Right. And then, as a result, I don't think I really did particularly well at it for that. But then when I got into college, and you know, I was taking all my art courses. And it was a liberal arts college, so you, you had yeah. to take a lot of it's everything. Eastern Pennsylvania. Yes, that's Home right. of Crayola Crayons. And Larry Holmes. And Larry Holmes. Don't forget that. The heavyweight champion of the world. Yep, exactly. At one point. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I started to take—I took a, uh, a writing class, and it was creative writing. And what I found was they kind of let you loose. And mm. then once I started to write the way I would think— Right. Once I started to write as if I was talking to someone, uh-huh. I really enjoyed it, and it opened the whole thing up. And I and I realized, oh, this is actually kind of cool, and this is fun. Right. And um, so anyway, when I graduated college, I uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was investigating all of these different careers. What um, was your first job like for real, like getting paid and stuff? My first real job. My yeah. first real job was. I was a secretary at Amarati Impuris. And this was back Oh in, really? This was back in nineteen ninety two. I had graduated college in ninety one. Yeah. And what I immediately discovered was there were you know, no I jobs. To get, well, no jobs. Yeah. That was that was one thing. Yeah. And the other thing was if there were any jobs, I didn't have an advertising portfolio. Mm. I had a portfolio of paintings and charcoal illustrations yeah. and a lot of other things that were great, but in no way qualified me to work as a creative in advertising. So mm. what I did was I got a job as a secretary at Amarati Puris. How did you know to go there? How did you know to call? How did you, how'd you get that job? Well, what I did was I started to, I 
luckily had met someone in advertising mm-hmm. who was a friend of a friend from New Jersey, and he worked at J. Walter Thompson. He was a creative director there. What was his name? And I forget his name. I have not seen oh he was my God. Friend. No, no, no. He was such a – it was like – five degrees of separation that I actually got in to talk to him. And the, you know, like it was like, Oh, I know someone and they knew someone and they knew someone. And I, so I was like James Patterson's J Walter Thompson, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He had suggested that I take classes at SVA, which was great advice. Right. So I, I enrolled in SVA and at the same time I I had to make money. I was living at my parents. I, I'm just going to change did, every time you say SVA. I'm going to change it to Ad House if that's cool. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Ad House. We'll, right, we'll, yeah. we'll just make it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I you went to the school cla- of visual arts. Yeah. I looked in the classify. I started reading about advertising in the New York Times. Uh-huh. There was a recent article that Ooh. came out about hot agencies, and then I started to contact these headhunters in the classifieds about you know that you'd see these ads for entry level advertising jobs. Yeah. And I actually found a headhunter who was really smart and really nice to me. And she said, Amron and Puris is the best agency in the country right now. And they wow. were. They they were doing BMW. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing some extremely famous work. And it, it really was the place to be. So I honed in on that. And when I went and interviewed, uh, I did not get the job. <laughs> and I didn't get the job because I failed the typing test, which absolutely crushed me because I knew, I said, this is the place. I don't want to be any other place. Yeah while I'm putting together my portfolio, then the best possible place I can be. So I failed the typing test. They had a typing test? What was the typing test like? Well, I was applying for a job as a secretary. I had to type type 50 words a minute. Okay. And I did, you know, I typed my papers in college. I thought I could kind of do it, but I couldn't. I made too many mistakes. Very high pressure trying to take this typing test, you know, to get the job. Yeah. So... So I went home and I started practicing typing like furiously. And then I went back there about three months later and I interviewed again, met the head of HR. This was going to be for a secretary job in their direct mail department. Mm -hmm. And when I interviewed there, I passed the typing test. But the the director of the department thought that perhaps because I was going to go to school at night, um, it might interfere with overtime he needed from whoever's going to take the job. So I didn't get the job again. Oh, because um, you were trying to better yourself at night. Yes, exactly. Yes, and I got punished. you stupidly punted. told him. So then I came back again <laughs> two months later. Yeah. Uh, two months later, I came back again, and I saw the head of HR again, I did, and I just said, look, you're the best agency in the country. I want to work here, and I'm going to keep coming back until I get a job here. And she la- and I remember she laughed. And she's like, well, we really want you to work here. So let's see how this goes today. So That's I passed awesome. the typing test, and I got a job in the print production department. Um, that was so – anyway, long-winded story. No, it's an amazing job. story. <laughs> D- Dan, I had no idea. This is like oh, rock, yeah. This is like Rocky, except replace all of the uh, pulling things and, and, yes. and working out and running upstairs with you typing – on uh, what, like a typewriter or like a word processor? <laughs> no. Well, what they did was it was like the very first Macs. And so you yes. did have to type it on the Mac. Now, here's what's funny. I got a job in the print production department, mm-hmm. and I, I worked there for a while. My guess who else worked there as the secretary? Who? Uh, Ian Reichenthal was the storyboard oh. typist oh for God. the creatives. So he, that's how I met Ian. That's Ian amazing. and I became friends. 
we were both going to school at night at SVA, right. and we would, we would both show each other the ads we were doing in class. Now, Amarati Pierce, the best part of be, about being there was I became good friends. All, because I worked in print production, mm-hmm. I also started typing a lot of scripts and script revisions for the copywriters, wow. and I got, I got to be friends with several of them. Um, so you were literally taking these scripts that they had written and retyping them. So you were basically yeah. going through like some kind of apprenticeship without really. Yeah, realizing I had that. to, as part of print production, I had to make certain changes. And I remember some of the copywriters would come and stand at my desk and say, here, I need to make these changes right now. And they would tell me as I was typing what the changes were. Right. But I remember some of the creatives there, um, particularly one guy, Larry Goldstein, who was awesome, would then look at my work that I was doing in classes and give me some helpful advice about, hey, this is great, or you know what, maybe for this one you could think about it like this. And it was, it, I, it was the right place to be. I was surrounded yeah. by some of the best creatives out there. And it was funny because back then, back then you had to wear a tie. I had to wear a tie to work. That was part of the requirement of being a, yeah. an administrative assistant back right. then. You, you had to wear a tie or, and it was or, my, or a nice uh, skirt that went over your knees. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know what else was funny? My mom, <laughs> so it was my first job, and I was living at home because I had no money. Yeah. And, you know, it, I was making $16,000 a year. Yeah. So my, I remember my mom, for my first day of work, bought me a briefcase. Oh, my God. Which it was the sweetest thing in the world, but it was a briefcase from, like, I've I kid you not, it was from Sears. Yeah. And it, it actually came in a box. <laughs> yeah. So so it was like kind of this like pleather yeah. um attache briefcase. Oh and and I would. I would you know, I, I wore my tie and I had this little briefcase with my ads inside that I would take to my SVA classes at night. And, and you took um, the train in from Elizabeth or where were you taking the train in from? Plainfield? I took I took the bus. I took you the took bus. The bus to Port Authority. Yes, oh. I wanted to be as miserable as I could be. So I you the real, th- this is a, the saddest story. You're like Willie Loman right now. <laughs> this is yeah, amazing. Look, looking back, it was somewhat like that. It I was, was the um, same. I was similar. I was walking up from Penn Station to Ogilvy and Mather at that time, uh, direct, uh, right. with hair and, yes. and a bad mullet uh, and a, uh, a jacket with patches on the sleeves. Which is oh, just, I like that. Oh, it's a good God, look. What was I doing? What was I thinking? Anyway, you're it was a different it. time. It was yeah. it was the end of the old era, and we didn't know yeah. what was going to happen yet. Yeah, we didn't know about the internet yet. Yeah, it's it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of an interesting little little spot in New York City. Um, so so you're there and you're you're working on your ads uh, between having to type things. Was it like constant typing or were you? Uh, well, I was answering some, phones uh, for three different people, but uh, primarily two: Peggy Grenemeyer and Jay Monaco. They were the vice presidents running print production. Okay. Uh, and Jay Monaco was fantastic. Like he would, he told me at one point, he's like, "Look, if you want to learn print production, I I'll I'll mentor you in, into getting into the business." And I really appreciate it. You know, I would go into the Lightroom when he would go in with vendors, yeah. and I would see the, what they were circling for retouching and what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was really generous, and I was lucky enough that I had such, like, nice bosses at the time. And, and then you what were, I did— you were you were um, sort of humble enough to be like, well, this is what you do. This is how you get into the business. You weren't thinking, like, oh, yeah. well, I don't want to go into your stupid Lightroom and 
look at that stupid match print. Like, I, I'm going to be a star someday. And, like, you weren't thinking that. Or were you well, thinking I, that and you were just like, all right, I got to do this? I found it all very interesting. I mean, I have to say it was – it felt humbling. Like, when I graduated from Lafayette and then felt like, oh, I – the, the one thing I want to do is advertising, but I can't go right into it. I have to yeah. go back to school. I didn't expect that. Right. Um, I thought for some reason I could say, hey, look, I got really good grades <laughs> and I'm really artistic. Don't and I you have think a briefcase. I'd... Yeah, and I have this great briefcase. Don't you think I'd be great at this job? Yeah. It was a bit humbling, but then I just I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm yeah. going to do whatever it takes. And then once I was in Amirati... I just soaked it all in. Like, I found it all really interesting, and I felt really driven to get my portfolio together. You know, part of it was, it's funny, I, you know, I would, on the bus, I would bring a one-show annual with me, and I would yeah. look through it on the bus, back and forth, at yeah. all the award-winning stuff happening. And I would see, you know, after I worked in print production for a year, they promoted me to the comp studio. And in the comp studio, I was I was the stack camera operator, which there are no stack cameras yeah. anymore. I did that and at Deutsch. At yeah. Deutsch. That's funny. You work at Deutsch now. I, I did that at Deutsch. Oh, you were the stack camera guy? I was the stack camera guy at Deutsch when they were working, when they were doing BK Shoes. Remember BK Shoes, British Knights? Oh, I do, they yeah. They had that account, and Donnie would come into the to the production department. It was one room, and I would be there, and... I wouldn't know what to do because it was Donnie Deutsch, and I'd be like, hi. And he probably had his shirt off, and it was probably awkward. He was heavier, and at one point he said, uh, hey, we kind of look alike. And that, that's the only words that Donnie Deutsch has ever said to me. Right. Uh, hey, we kind of <laughs> look alike because I had a mullet, and he had a mullet. And it was the early 90s, and that's what everybody did. It was cool. Yeah, well, it was in. Um, anyway, I was the set camera operator, too, so I know that, that life. That was how you blew things up. That was how was, you uh, exactly reproduced things. That was where Ian and I met a lot to look at our ads together. In the stack He'd show camera me his, room. I'd, sh I'd show, show him mine. Yeah. And then we'd talk about the classes we were taking. Yeah. Um, but working in the comp studio, I used to see, I would always be aware of all the work everyone was doing, but I would right. see, I would be mounting the boards that were going to meetings. Nothing was keynote. Like you were, you were phone calling all the print ads yeah. and scripts and everything. Yeah. So I would see it all. And it was it was great. I loved it. You know, it was, uh, so I did that for another year yeah. there as well. And um, you would just go through all of the work and, and w was there anybody there that was like a mentor to you? What was the guy's name that, uh, Larry Goldstein? Larry Goldstein was one guy who was, he was great. Yeah. Um, I, I, is I, he still I in the business? He is. And I'm not sure where he is now. Um, but he was so cool to me and gave me a lot of really good advice. Um, and I know there were, there were some other creatives there that I, I certainly probably showed work to, but um, I think he kind of stands out for me as, yeah. like, was so helpful at the time. Um, and then was it a kind of a competition between you and Ian to see who would, like, get picked up? Were you, like, talking about, like, where you wanted to go and where you well, wanted to show it, your book? Or? Well, it's, you know, Ian, I think Ian, I think Ian's, Ian got a job, and he got a job with Wayne Best. Oh. They were they were partners, and as Where was I then they they, they at Amirati. Oh, okay, great. I I think Wayne, I I could be wrong. I think Wayne got hired, and then Ian became his partner. Okay, and then Ian became a junior copywriter. 
I had was was approaching finishing my book, mm-hmm. and they I had talked to someone there about, hey, you know, are there opportunities here? Yeah. And w- the answer I got was, well, there are, but we want you to to be in the comp studio for another six months. <laughs> we really like the work you're doing. No, I know. Yes, you're 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 mounting boards so well. Yeah. Um, God but damn it. in in the meantime, I I was taking Sal DeVito's class. This was my second year mm-hmm. now of taking classes at night. So I went yeah. to I went at night for about two years, and after I took Sal's class the third time, Sal offered me a job. So I ended up that's so I, I ended up leaving Emirati, and my first I, I guess job as a first creative as job. a junior creative, which was a junior art director, was at DeVito Verdi then. Wow, so that's, that's the way it panned so out. So art director, yeah. not writer, at that point. Yes, exactly. I, yeah. I well, it's interesting because I thought, I think I just always had this mindset of like, well, I've always been someone who illustrates and mm. paints. I should be an art director, right? Because, but I, but what I really found fascinating was the idea part of it. Yeah. And so I, I began as a junior art director, but I was partnered with Mark Shruntek, uh-huh. and he was also an art director. <laughs> but at Devito Verdi, that wasn't uncommon. They used right. to do that a lot because the art directors were expected to be able to write and come up with you know ideas yeah. as well. And Mark and I worked together for seven years, and we I wow. think what happened is eventually I just discovered, you know, we worked at Devito Verdi for a few years, and then we went to Cliff Freeman together. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I think what I realized was I really enjoyed the writing part more. Yeah. I think I was a decent designer. But I, I never felt like I was a great designer. Right. But I liked the writing part much more, like writing scripts, because that's all you did at Cliff Freeman was write yeah. scripts. Yeah. Uh, writing scripts was what I felt like I got really good at and really started to enjoy. So eventually I just sort of right. changed the title of the writer. Not so that you, it mattered anyway. You know? So what was, the, what was the ad in your book or the ad? Was there an ad or was it just your, your drive? What do you think got you the job at, uh, at uh, the first job at, uh, what's his name? Oh, at uh, DeVito Verde. At DeVito Verde, sorry. Yeah. I had taken this class a few times, and in that last time, you know, Sal's class was kind of famous back then. Because it was famous for being hard and, and scary. Famous for being hard and scary. He had this reputation of actually lighting some people's work on fire. Yes. Uh, he didn't, he never lit something on fire in my class, but like, it was, it was the, the, the stuff of legend that people would talk about back yeah. then. Yeah. And he was, he was hard. Yeah. But in that third time, I, I got into a groove where every week I had work that was staying up on the wall, and Sal knew it. And then mm-hmm. he asked me to do a project for him at work, and I did that for him on the side. Uh, and then as I got my book together, I brought it in and showed it to him. And then he, you know, we had a dinner, and he talked to me about, you know, coming to work for him. Mm-hmm. So I think he had seen me progress. And he kind of knew all the ads in my book. Yeah. And, and then I finally showed him the finished book. You know, of course, everything laminated with like a felt background. Yeah, and... you, got, you had to do that. <laughs> you, got, you, had, you had to spend the extra bucks for the felt yeah. background. It was like 50 pounds, that, that portfolio. But Yeah, it was... no, it's funny. It was really funny. And you had to make two or three of them because like whenever you brought them over, they were going to keep them for a, a couple exactly. of weeks. And you couldn't really yeah. call and be like, can I have my book back now? And, you know, always yep. afraid. Yeah, yeah, you had to have multiples. It was, yeah, it was the whole Something thing. you don't have to do anymore because you, you uh, have a website now. Thank right? goodness. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Although yours is password protected. What's that about? 
Anyway, oh, you can go on to my website. We'll move on. I'll tell you the password. Not on the show. Not on the show. Not for air. Yeah. Later, the we'll pa- talk the about pass- the password. The password is briefcase from Sears. That's the password. <laughs> that should be the password. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Um, so, so you get into you get into Sal's place, and then what happens? What what what's the first? Uh, you know, athletes talk about like you know going from college to pro, and it, it's a it's a speed thing. Is, is it a speed right. thing? What, what's the what was the difference between? Uh, how did you how did you take on a partner? How was you were you like what were the struggles there in that first couple months? It's funny because I haven't thought about it in a long time. But the, I think for me, it was I mean it was hard. Yeah. You know I remember, you know my first night at work I was there till eleven. Mm. The second night at work I think I was there till one, and then all of a sudden you realize like oh and you're working a lot of weekends like it was uh, um. And I knew I'd work hard, and I have no problem with that, but I think especially that was really the first job I ever had where it wasn't just long hours, but it was stressful, too, you know, yeah. because you, you know, you, yes, you've put together, you know, your, your first portfolio, and you've, you've sort of, you've gotten over the hump of, you know, kind of knowing what a, what a bad ad is, what a good ad is, and mm. hopefully what something great can be, but that doesn't mean you're... You know, the the more the the longer you do it, the better you get. Yeah, yeah. It was it's it it was kind of a, a shock, you know. To you know, you have pressure. You have pressure, and you have you know you it's have to turn in ideas. Of other, and and, of and other... every, everything was competitive, and yeah. there were some very talented people there. And who was there? Who who did you uh, who were your faves? Who who did you who were you competing with? Uh, you know, um, Rob Carducci was there. Mm. Rob Slosberg was there at one point. You know, there would Sal would always also call in freelancers as well, right, like yeah. kind of really heavy freelancers in the business. Right. And you know, back then they were they were winning one show pencils every year for yeah. Daffy's and for yeah. for a lot of other accounts. So the bar was very high, which I appreciate it. You know, yeah. I, if you could, if Sal said yes to something you showed him, yeah, you were psyched because you knew it was good. Right. You know, there was no question in your mind anymore, like, oh, this this is good. That was one of those um, classic New York places, uh, yeah. and it's still around, uh, yeah. that did, you know, the bad boy print advertising, the Daffy's Solgar campaign. Vitamins. Yeah. yeah, Solgar Vitamins on the sides of buses. Uh, yep. And uh, and the Daffy's campaign where, what was it? It was, um, what were some of the lines for that? It was uh, one of them was, shirt. If you're, it was, um, yeah, if you're. If you're paying over two hundred dollars for a dress shirt, we have a jacket to go with it, and it was a straight jacket. Yes, it was. I mean, I know that wasn't the exact headline, but it was. It yeah. was ads like that, and yeah. they were great. They were great. Yeah, but it was a great experience. It was a great, you know, a great first job because it was good training for never always pushing yourself to come up with more ideas, more ideas, more ideas, and. and kind of had to push through all the uh, uncomfortableness of having a blank sheet of paper, you know? Right. Because before that, you thought like, oh, you know, in school, you would come up with two or three ideas and you were like, oh, I like this one best and I'll do that. And then you mark or comp it up. But here you had to come up with way more. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's you know, when I was working at Emirati as a secretary and going to school at night, you know, my, my job was nine to five. Yeah. And then I would leave my job and go to the classes at night. And then I would get home late. Yeah. 
back to playing field, but it, that's a different thing than when you come into work and you're working all day and then very late at night. Yeah. And, you know, it was, uh, DeVito was a very small, scrappy place too. So, you know, the night before a presentation, we'd be in the stairwell spray mounting our boards together, you know, probably inhaling the worst fumes in the world, but yeah. you were, you were doing everything. It wasn't yeah. like there was a, a lot of support staff around or anything. You kind of did everything, you know, and it was, it was ragtag and nuts. Um, and but that's it was where awesome. your, yeah. your experience from Amirati kind of came into play because you knew what happened down there in that studio, right? Sure. Were, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I can do that. I know how to spray mount something. I know how to use a, did they have a, uh, a stack camera at? Uh, oh, no. Yeah. No, no. No. I think when I was there, I remember it was about, I think it was 17 people. That's how big wow. the shop was when wow. I went there. Yeah. Um, so it was great. You had shots at everything, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember one week, I remember Mark and I worked all weekend long on a small space coupon ad <laughs> once because it had amazing. to be great for Sal. Like, it, Do you <laughs> remember what you finally ended up with? That was for, I remember it was for a toy company and I don't think any, I don't even remember if it got produced. Yeah. But you were so them. psyched about it. That's great. Yeah. I love that feeling. Exactly. Um, exactly. And there were, there were small space ads in the award annuals and you would just be like, ah, oh, if you can make a great small space ad, you can, you can do anything. It's like, you know, radio or, a, you know, I, I, there's no real equivalent now. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting thing what that would be. Uh, but then, then you, so you were there for a while. You were at, you were at, uh, Saldivito for a few years. About two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and what what got you the the Cliff Freeman uh, gig? How'd you how'd you swing that? And what were the alternatives? Were you looking Were you looking around, or what, did you get a call? What was the? Uh, that was well. To be honest with you, that was the one. After being there for a few years, I was I was really I loved it there, um, but I was at the time I was really intrigued by what Goodby was doing in San Francisco because ah. it, it was phenomenal, mm-hmm. and and I. And I love the West Coast. And I was really thinking about, I was putting my book together and seeing mm-hmm. what they might think of it. But then I got a call um, about Cliff Freeman and Partners, and I ended up going and interviewing there. From a headhunter? Um, no, it came through a friend that I, someone had asked, and our name was given. Mm-hmm. And so we went. And it was interesting. I didn't know if I, – I was – surprised we got the job yeah. because I didn't know if the style of work we were doing at the time, it wasn't like what Cliff Freeman were do, was doing. Like they were crushing it with comedy. They did yeah. it so well and in a way that no one else was doing it. It was so fresh yeah. and at Little Caesars and Staples, everything was, I think it was just hysterical. And my book at the time was more, it was like a wry, clever New York, DeVito Verde, it had shaped into Headlines, that kind of book. Print. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and w- was Eric Silver there at that time? No, he wasn't. No, there yet. okay. I was. I was probably there for probably a year, over a year before Eric got. I was there for a little while before Eric came. Right. And when um, you got to Cliff Freeman, what was what was it like? Was it uh, who was who were the the heavy hitters there? Oh, uh, I mean, Roger Camp was there. Yeah. Paris Wainer was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Rufa was there. Kevin Roddy was there. Wow. 
you know, the, I, the, the list of people goes on and on. And then when I was there, we just had a phenomenal group of creatives there. It was Cliff Freeman again was, it was another huge learning curve for me. Uh, I remember Mark and I didn't produce anything for the first year we were at Cliff Freeman. And I started to wonder if we ever would, because all the assignments we worked on, we, you know, we were just getting beaten out by teams like Roger Camp and Michelle Rufa and people who had produced a lot of Little Caesars and Staples. Was, was and, David Angelo and, there yet? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. David Angelo was there, yeah. too. Yeah. So, you know, Cliff Freeman was there, Arthur Bajor, David Angelo. Yeah. And it was as competitive as it could get. I, yeah. I really, we worked so hard the first year, and I started to question if I was ever going to produce anything there. Yeah. Um, so how do you like keep I, your head up when you when you keep getting, losing out? Um, good question. <laughs> because I, honestly, I just, I don't know. I just, I wanted it so bad. Yeah. I really did. I, I wanted to, to, I wanted to be able to produce work at what I considered to be one of the best agencies out there at the time. Yeah. You know, so we just, we just kept going. And then once it happened, once we sold work, we had a, just a tremendous run. It was all of a sudden it just kind of clicked. Yeah. And I think we started to find a voice and we just had such a blast. Um, what was Eric the first? Came in. What was Boy, the first ahead. thing that you uh, that you sold? Uh, the first TV spot we sold was for Staples. And which one was it? <laughs> it was it was this spot where it's a back to school spot where the mom leaves all the school supplies on top of the car, and uh, the kids are thrilled because all the school supplies get <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> it was very very classic Staples. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and that was your but, first TV shoot, was that? Yes, yeah. Did, did you get to go to L.A. and all that stuff? We did, we, wow. we did. And I had gone to L.A. for shoots with DeVito Verdi. Because, okay. again, DeVito Verdi was so scrappy that, yeah. you know, we sold TV there, but not the – this was on a different budget level, and this right. was also a different – I mean, these were – I know it sounds crazy. These were dialogue comedy spots, which we, we just weren't doing it. It was much simpler kind of TV we were doing at DeVito at the time. Yeah. So it was again. It was another big learning experience, which was great. You know, um, it was fun. And we've it talked a to a few people who've worked for Cliff, and I've worked for Cliff, and it's uh, it's a special experience. And and uh, I want to have him on the show. Uh, I asked David to get in touch. with Oh, him. you got to have him on the show. It would be so amazing, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be amazing. I'm gonna. T- do you do you know about the wall that Mark and I had in our office? No. Okay. So. We, I mean, I was at Cliff Raymond for seven years. I think, I think six years, six, six and a half, or something. Okay. But I would say, sometime around the second year we were there, Mark and I were presenting a Little Caesar script to Cliff and Arthur, and it was the, our our idea was like this. We had this whole idea about like everything's back, like prices are back, like the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And in the commercial, Farrah Fawcett comes in because, you know, she's from the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we present this, this script that we think is genius. And I say at the end, I'm like, and at the end, Farrah Fawcett comes in. And it was just crickets. Cliff and Arthur say nothing. Yeah. So a beat goes by, and I say, you know, Farrah Fawcett, like, from the 70s. <laughs> and Cliff just goes, I know who Farrah Fawcett is. <laughs> and so Mark and I deject it. We go back to our office. And Mark takes a, a piece of paper, and he writes, Farrah Fawcett equals not funny, and he sticks it up on the wall. Yeah. 
So what we did then for the next five years is if Cliff or Arthur or Eric in a meeting with work said something was funny or said it wasn't funny, yeah. we then went back to our office, wrote it down, and stuck it up on the wall. Oh. And, and by the time I left, by the time we left Cliff Freeman, our wall was covered, and we had two halves of it. We had one half that was the funny half, yeah. and then we had one half that was the not funny half. Yeah. And I have the list. I still have the list. I don't have all the scraps of paper, but I still have the list. And it just be, are, it became a thing. What yeah. are some of the things on the funny list, and what are some of the things on the not funny list? Uh, you have to make a book out of this, so don't give everything away. But. Well, Cl- Cliff is writing a book. He asked me for the wall. Here, hold on. Uh, I have it right here. Let me – hold on. I'm going to get it. Hold on. Okay. He's going to get uh, the list. Dan Kelleher is running around his office at Deutsch right now looking for a list for us. What the hell? How did we do this? How did we make this happen? I have it because I printed out. I actually printed the list and I hang it. I still hang it on my wall. Yeah. It's just, but it's on a Word doc. Uh, okay, here's a couple, and maybe this will help people breaking into the business. Yep, yep. Good. Um, yelling equals funny. Mm-hmm. Grunting equals funny. Yes. People hiding under desks equals funny. Yes. Toll booths equals funny. Mm-hmm. Trying too hard equals not funny. Right. Plane crashes equal not funny. Mm. Sappy equals not funny. Mm-hmm. Arthur's chunks in jelly equals funny. We don't know what that means, but okay. Mm. No, being tied to a radiator naked equals funny. Yep. Uh, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's a really long list. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I'm, all more con- those... I'm more concerned with the not funny. Like, what, what, give us a few more not funnies. Okay, let's see. Um, well, I have Wayne Best equals not funny. Oh. That's unfortunate for Wayne. Yeah. Um, we, sorry, Wayne. Yeah. Um, another not funny would be uh, lube jobs, not okay. funny. Lube jobs, not funny. Uh, client comments equal not funny. Yeah. Omnibus jokes, not funny. Hmm. Mixes at red car equal not funny. Okay. Nothing against red car. Please right. don't be offended, red car. I don't think red car exists anymore. It's something else now. Yeah, it, well, they weren't funny. Overused farts equal not funny. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a, probably a good sample. I feel you. like we could just end this podcast right now and it would be a fucking classic. <laughs> uh, I think the wall was my favorite part of being, like, that to I me love that my, story. Yeah, and it, and it, it is funny because Cliff came by one day and he saw that we were making this wall. Yeah. Uh, and he loved it. I think I think he he really liked it. And I, I bumped into him a couple of years ago, and he said he was writing a book. Yeah. Uh, I awkwardly bumped into him in the locker room of a Equinox, and I was naked. Uh huh. And then all of a sudden he said, "Dan," and I turned around naked, and we started having this discussion about him writing a book and the wall, <laughs> and do I still have the wall, the list? Yeah. I was thinking more about where's my towel and wrapping yeah. it around my waist, but yeah. then we, but then I did send him the list. And, and I would, out. I would just, I'm just going to guess, naked Dan, not funny. Probably not. But Probably naked not. Cliff, funny. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm just throwing think, it out there. I don't know these things. You know better. Yeah. You made yeah. the wall. Um, <laughs> so that's amazing that you had this wall, and it just shows like when you're in. When you're so deep into a job that you start making it into uh, almost an obsession to get good work, 
Um, I think that's what it takes sometimes. Um, and Cliff had a, a definite, he, he had a great uh, capacity and, and talent for knowing what was funny and what wasn't. Yeah. And it was, and we had fun. I think everyone there had, was having fun and right. everyone there was producing great work. Everyone was happy for each other yeah. that they were winning awards and producing great work. And so it, it wasn't was, like uh, backstabbing. Like when, no. you, when you had that, that year of not working, nobody was like, like, you know, sort of shunning you at the lunch tables. Oh, no. When Mark and I sold our first spot, the senior creatives came into our office and popped open champagne, oh, and, and so we cool. all drank champagne. That's awesome. No, every, everyone encouraged everyone. Everyone helped everyone. It was a really special place. Yeah. In, in fact, it was so special uh, that I almost got fired because Mark and I did something, and I can show you the video if you want. Mm -hmm. It's it's really funny. We can put it but on the website. You can send I'd it to say me. A few, I'd say a few years in, um, Cliff Freeman and Partners at that time in the mid-90s was, there was a period where for a couple of years they were probably the most awarded agency out there, and mm -hmm. they were really doing well. Everyone in the agency was winning awards, and the work was phenomenal. Now, like any other agency, not everything done was great. Right. And Mark and I had an award show that we called the Worst of Show Awards. <laughs> And we got all the creatives together because we were all friends. We would yeah. all go out to lunch together. And we, the, what, what, what everyone did was everyone submitted the worst ad that they had done or the worst commercial they had done. They had done. Yeah. And Mark and I had judges. We, we, we shot a documentary about the show. Mm -hmm. uh, we had an award ceremony, and everyone got you know gold, silver, and bronze pieces of uh, – of dog shit. And we had, nice. um, we had a big party and it was phenomenal and everyone loved it. But then word got out later that we had done this. Mm -hmm. And I think some other people, at the agency got upset, okay. um, people who weren't in the creative department and it got back to cliff and Arthur. And right. I think there was some talk briefly about Mark and I possibly being fired. And we went in and talked to cliff and Arthur and just said, Hey, you know, it was, it was a joke. And so much great work was done. We thought it'd be fun and funny and morale building to kind of yeah. have a non-award show award show. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they did not think it was funny one bit. <laughs> they were like, uh, not funny. That goes on the not funny wall. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, probably got back to some clients or something. And they were like... I don't or know. Or the account I don't... people were... Who some knows? account people, I, I definitely... God miffed. Uh, we never found out who's, who the person was who, right. who told, but, um, but uh, I would do it again because it was so much fun. Do you still have your uh, Golden Poop Award somewhere? Or did you yeah, win one? I, I did not win. Oh, um, And I, no, 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 no. <laughs> we, we, we got a merit. We got a merit okay. award for the Fanta commercial we did. Uh -huh. But, and legitimately, I won it. See, that was the thing. Everyone wanted to win it. Like, yeah. there was an honor in making the worst thing possible. Yeah. And um, so, no, we, we didn't win. Didn't uh, the winners were Steve Doppelt and Jason Gaborio. Ah. I and wonder I if, if Gaborio still has it. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he was proud. Jason Gaborio has the video, for sure. Okay. Um, and I, I have it. I was actually digging through old stuff months ago. I have yeah. it on VHS. Okay. <laughs> That's how old it no is. No one knows what that is, Dan. No one does. Yeah. I keep it in my Sears briefcase. 
oh, I hope you still have your Sears briefcase. Right. Um, do you, what? What? So what happened then? What? What? Uh, where? Where do you go from Cliff Freeman? You're at the. You're at the top of the game. You're. Yeah. You're so. You're winning so many awards that you actually have a poop award for the worst. What? How do you follow that up? And why did you leave? I uh, got a call about uh, the possibility of. Uh, going to work for Jerry Graff at BBDO. Ah. And yeah, I've been very, very lucky in advertising. I've worked yeah. for some of the best creative directors out there. Yeah. Um, and um, I met Jerry, and of course, everything he was doing and has done is phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, FedEx was happening, Red Stripe was happening. Um, yeah. And it was, it was just. It was a great opportunity. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I ended up leaving Cliff to go to BBO to work for Jerry. Um, and that's and where you met a young Tom Chrisman. Yes. Well, I, I believe <laughs> – wait, did you come before you before Eric or after Yeah, Eric? so Jerry hired me. That's right. And I remember the day he left. It was me, yeah. you, Joel. Yep. Uh, <laughs> James. Uh, James Clooney. And a bunch of other people who I think Eric let go after because I'm not remembering their names because I didn't work with them long enough. But uh, we were all like dumbfounded, like where Jerry go? And in fact, did you hear the Jerry Graff podcast that we did? I haven't heard it yet. Oh, I, I saw on Facebook. That, all right, I'm going to check it out. He actually uh, at one point says, "Like I can't believe you ha- you had me on this show. I thought you hated me. Like there, there. I guess there was a story going around that I hated him. But uh, I just remember the shock because it it really was like a shock. And I remember you saying, "Well, I asked him if he was staying, and he was sort of like, well, 'Well, we'll see.'" <laughs> no, no, I, I will there was say some this. story where you were like, "I I did ask him." And I was like, I should have asked him. No, no, no. Here, here's the best story. And I hope Jerry doesn't care that I say this. Right. So I, so I interview with Jerry, and I'm like, oh, he's awesome. The work's awesome. I want to work there. Yeah. Then someone says to me, you know, be careful, because I've heard rumors that Jerry might be leaving. So I had a second interview with Jerry, and I said, I said look, you know, like I'm really, really into this. I just want to know that, you know, you know, if I leave to come here, I just want to know that you're going to be here. Yeah. And Jerry's... <laughs> He goes, I am definitely going to be here. And I was like, okay, great. And then all of a sudden he caveated it and he said, I'm definitely going to be here for at least the next, and he said something like a year and a half or something. I can't remember what it was. And I went, went, wait, wait, what? And then he said, you know, I was thinking about leaving, but but I'm not. So I was like kind of confused, but he said he was going to be there. So then next thing I know, I take the job. Yeah. And I think it was eight months later, Jerry said uh, to me and Joel, like, hey, can we go out to lunch? And I was like, oh, no, dude, you're not doing yeah, it. Yeah. And, and then he said he was, yeah, yeah. he said he was leaving. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I, I feel uh, lucky as well that I got, to, I got to work for him for a little while. Um, we were on, I think I was on FedEx mostly with James. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun yeah. working for him, and it was fun working with you. Um, and then, yeah, and then we got to work for Eric Silver. I remember there was a point where we were all like, "Well, I guess we should get our books out." I don't know if you did, but I, I definitely made some calls that day. Um, right. And uh, yeah, but it was it was uh, 
it was a different place, right? It was it, you had been at these smaller. Well, you had been in places where you were you had a, a camaraderie. This was more of a giant behemoth, but we were a tiny little agency inside of it, right? Yeah, and it, on a whole different floor from the rest of the creative department. Yeah, because that that's the way Jerry had designed it. So oh, I didn't with, know that. That's that was yeah, Jerry's doing. Okay, I I could be wrong, but I thought I thought that's the way Jerry wanted it. Actually, yeah. yeah. So we didn't even really see the other creatives in the building, which right. so we, we never really like had that camaraderie or that bond with with really the rest of BBDO. Like right. I think we we were kind of separated. So yeah, I mean it was. It it felt a little scary, and then Eric got the job, yeah. and I of course had just worked for him for five years, and I yeah. knew Eric, and we were friends, and of course he's great. Yeah, uh, and then I ended up staying at BBDO for the next five years. You know? Yeah, and there were some great people that that he brought in as well. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah, that was that was a, a, a magical time. Yes, that Three was years of great work. That was uh, a great run. FedEx is such a great account to work on. Yes. Um, and you we, got Burt Reynolds in an ad. Uh, yeah. After, uh, I guess Burt Reynolds is funny. One of the nicest celebrities I've ever shot a commercial with. Really? He was so, like, he just came over and started talking to us and was telling stories. Yeah. Um, He's He awesome. was just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, was great. What did you learn at uh, at BBDO? What, at that point, you were sort of like you'd done a lot of TV, but what, what, what did you still have to learn? Was there, was there a learning curve still? I think, um, well, uh, there's always a learning. I mean, I'm always learning. I think BBDO exposed me to more and more client, uh, interaction. Um, it exposed me, uh, to the beginnings of, um, overseeing some projects Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, being the the creator and the writer and the producer on them as well. Um, So I think that, you know, I I did work as a CD on Guinness under Eric and was able to, you know, oversee some of the smaller assignments on it and and definitely much, much more client interaction as well. Yeah, Um, selling. So that, that, it, it, you know, it, it started to move to the next level there. And again, you know, five five years at BBDO of just really intense writing. You know, you know, we, oh, God, yes. I mean, we came up with so many ideas. I remember I had an idea at BBDO and I, I don't know if you remember it. If I said it to you, I said it to Eric and I said, we need to make a book and the book should be, like a coffee table book or a yeah. book you keep in the bathroom to read when you're sitting down. Yeah. But the book should be all the great FedEx scripts that never got produced. Yes. Because, you know, if, if we went and shot four commercials, that means we probably presented 40. Oh, yeah. Like, well, we probably presented 20 to the client, which means we showed Eric over 100. Yes. You know, and within that 100, there were always scripts that we wish we produced. I thought it would just be the the funnest thing just to have this book of just scripts typed out that never got shot for FedEx. But yeah, I couldn't get it going. I remember walking into Jim LeMate's office and it was like, he papered the, he literally papered the walls with his scripts. Yeah. And as he rewrote them, he would tape over the last one. So there was like this thick, 
like right. paper wallpaper on his wall. And I just remember thinking, I, I there's no way I can beat Jim LeMate. I'm pretty sure he he's he is one of the most prolific sleeping. writers I've ever seen. Yeah. I, but I I could never compete. I didn't. I felt the same way. Yeah. Um, because I was more of a you know, give Eric 12 or 14 scripts. Yeah. Um, and I think Jim would give 40 or like 40, Yeah, you know? Literally and 40 scripts. I, and they'd all be good, yeah. <laughs> which, which would crush me. Um, yeah, his, uh, he, he's more prolific than anyone I know. Um, and I actually later on, I went, I would keep all my scripts in a file and then I would like, put them on a drive when I left an agency and I would, I would always like be looking at them to pitch to other clients later on. Cause normally they were like, you know, you come up with an idea and it, you could swing it for another client. Um, but later when I went freelance, um, Ted Melfi, uh, a director asked me like, Hey, do you have any like, you know, spec scripts? So I went into these files and I, and I grabbed a whole bunch of those FedEx scripts that I had written and I sent them to him, and the one he did one called Clones, where it was like this guy had cloned himself, and uh, the clone was trying to trick the other clones into the fact that he was the original guy, and he was saying, right. "You clones, you got to work harder. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to let you all go. I'm gonna have to, you know, murder you all. Like, right. you know, have to have to have you all destroyed, is what he says. And the other clones like look at him like, what? And then the he starts laughing and says, ha, 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 I got you, you know. So so we did it, and we shot it when I was shooting. He was shooting something else. He was like, hey, I'll shoot it spec, and he shot it, and he shot it really well. And then the production company decided to put it out. It was, like, right before Super Bowl. They decided to put it out as, like, a band Super Bowl spot, and I literally got a phone call from BBDO the next day uh, from Roy Elvov. <laughs> Oh, no. He wrote me online, and he said, hey, Tom, can you call me? And I called him, and I'm like, hey, Roy. He's like, hey, man, um, yeah, you got a lot of people upset over here. <laughs> and I'm well, like, what are you supposed to do that? What? Right. I actually wrote to Steve Pacheco, the client, and I was like, hey, man, sorry about that. And he just wrote back, yeah, not smart. <laughs> <laughs> but he never unfriended me on Facebook, so I think I'm okay. You're okay. I think you're okay. Um, but that was like one of those Funny. moments where I was like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have done that. But it came out good. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's to the point of like we had so much fun and so many scripts. It was just coming out of our ears. Um, right. And you got to get to that point, I think, to, to have really great work. Um, but let's get to like what – and you've worked at a bunch of – any other places you want to talk about that you worked at? That Well, your new job. You're at Deutsch. Sure. Now. Well, you, I so, ended up working for Jerry again too. Oh, yeah. When was that? That was brief though. BBDO ended up having massive layoffs. Right. And I got laid off. I think they laid off like 100 people. And a few days later, I got a call um, from Jerry Graff. He was he was the CCO at Saatchi here. And I went and oh. became a creative director there. Uh, and it was great. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, from there, from Saatchi, I ended up... I free, Well, Jerry left Saatchi after about a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to be there anymore, and I ended up freelancing for a bit. Took right. some time off, freelance. Uh, and then I was at Gray, and I worked on DirecTV yeah, uh, yeah. under tour. Which you had worked um, on uh, at, at BBDO as well. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then and then Kirschenbaum, and then here. 
Yeah. Now, uh, now at Deutsch. And well, how do you make the transition from working on stuff to running things? Like, what was that? What have you learned about about that as you as you went? Totally different skill set. Yes, a hundred percent. I think, um, and being at Sachi when I when I worked when I was a creative director on General Mills and and Miller um, was the best learning experience for that. And I was lucky because I had great clients, particularly at General Mills. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, it really, you, you, you have to be able to look at things from both sides. Otherwise you'll never be able to do it. Like you really do have to honestly think about the perspective of your client as well as yeah. yours. Cause I think when you're a younger creative, it's, Naturally, you're a bit selfish about what you want to make and why you want to make it. Yeah. Um, but the only way to be good at, you know, your job when you're, you know, actually running something is you really have to think about the entire picture. Yeah. Um, and I do think that takes experience, you know. And it takes getting to know the client. And yeah. uh, uh, Jerry Graff put it really simply. He said it's just about trust and it's about, you know. Well, yeah. Getting the client to trust you. Yeah, because, yeah, and I, what I was going to say, too, it's the same thing. It's about being honest as well, you right. know, be, being honest about everything. And yeah. when you do that, you, you'll develop a great relationship with the client, and great work will usually follow, right. uh, depending on the client. Sure. Um, but, yeah, 100%. And it's difficult because a lot of us, you know, like creatives are, you know, uh, can be like a quirky breed of, of people who they, there's many reasons why many of us got into advertising, but I think we really got into it for the work. And then you get to a certain level where, okay, if I'm going to go to the next step, um, now I'm managing and now I'm being asked to be a leader. And now I'm being asked to do things that, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had I didn't think about any of those things back right. way back when when it was when I wanted to get into advertising. I yeah. wanted to get in because I want to make stuff. Yeah. And I and I almost resisted it for a while. I think I I probably waited longer than I needed to to move up to that level because I didn't want to give up making things. Yeah. Which was what I really loved. A lot um, of a lot of creative directors never do. They just sort of right. pretend like they're managing, but really they're trying to beat the people working for them on things a hundred percent yeah um well i think what worked out for me though was what i discovered was that i also really loved uh mentoring creatives under me Mm -hmm. and and hopefully helping them get better i really love that i love it just as much as making work um perhaps more now um and i think i really grew into that at uh, Direct TV. I really enjoy, like when I was Gray. Gray. Yeah, that whole experience running that group. Tor and, seems like he he's a great uh, mentor. I, I wanted to work yeah. for him too, and uh, went there and interviewed and didn't get the job because he hated me. But that's okay. that's okay. <laughs> Not true. Yeah. Well, he 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 knew about that FedEx. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that story and is going to follow me to my grave. He, he had obviously talked to Pachika. Obviously. <laughs> But um, uh, no, uh, he seems like I. And what I what I told him was, I I want to learn from you. I want to learn how to be a, a creative director because you are one of the best. And wh- what is it about what he did that was so different? Well, it's inter- You know, when I interviewed with Tor, 
one of the things I said to him was, I said, I want to come here and learn the secret sauce of how you do new business. Because yeah. so not, not only was DirecTV a great opportunity, um, and there were, some great, there were some good creative opportunities there, but in addition to that, I think when I took the job there, they had won like 21 out of the past 24 or 25 new business pitches. That's yeah. unheard of. Like nobody does that. Nobody yeah. goes on a run like that. Yeah. And, and a but, couple of years before that, they were like the worst place and nobody. Oh, my gosh. That. I yeah. mean, the fact that he look, it, you know, in your career and in my career, I'm sure you've gotten this call many times from a headhunter where you get a call and, hey, there's a job at so-and-so agency and so-and-so is there now and they're going to turn that place around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a couple years later, it has not turned around at all because it's, it's hard. incredibly hard to do. Yeah. Tor actually did it. Yeah. I, I think to turn Gray around and make it just one of the hottest shops out there, I, it's nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what but was that, it? What do you think it was? Well, you know, Tor, he was just good at so many things. I mean, yeah, he's very talented, creative, but also he he built this culture at Gray that was tremendous. You just, you loved working there. You felt like you were an important part of what was happening. Mm. Um, Tor just did a great job of really being inclusive to everyone at the agency. Yeah. Um, and really motivating and inspiring everyone at the agency. He was phenomenal at that. Creatives, I, account people, I, yes. uh, everybody. Yeah, felt like they were all part of the team, right? I think one of the most important things I learned from Tour was how important culture is at, yeah. at an agency. Right. Because uh, I think a lot, and I do, I think a lot of people ignore it, and they just figure, well, we have a job to do, and let's do it, and if you're not doing it, I'll get someone else to do it. But it, it that's not what works, uh, you know. And culture was, is what you do, right? Culture is like your every day. So if you're yeah. there until 1 a.m. every morning, every day, and then you wake up and you have to be there at 9 and you have to be, you know, and you're never having any fun, then that's what the culture is. And that's that's yeah. okay, you know, but it's going to, you know, it's going to have pros and cons. And that place probably won't flourish if that's, right. if that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, tour was just a, he was really just brilliant about pitching new business, and it was because he he could see the big picture of a strategy and a creative idea and right. where that can go and what that can be beyond what a, how a lot of people would view it. Right. You know. So uh, no, it was great. Yeah. Uh, what do you look for now when you're looking at books at, at Deutsch? Do you still look at books? Of course, yeah. I, I definitely look at books. I, um, you know, I, I'm always looking for something that I have some sort of reaction to when I look at a book, whether mm -hmm. it makes me laugh or whether, hopefully, it makes me jealous or like, God, I wish I had done that, mm -hmm. um, or just some. I'm, I love when I see something where I think, God, I never would have thought of that, and that's that's amazing. I love simple. I love smart. Um, I love funny. I love innovative. But it's, and it's, you know, the book is a big part of it, and the person is the other part, you know, because I think, you know, we we really want just great people here that can be part of the culture here. And that right. uh, I think 
I really do love the people at Deutsch. Mm-hmm. It feels like a family. A lot of people stay here. Yeah. And it it is a fun place to work. And I think it is it does feel inclusive. And, you know, you want to bring in people who you think will make that even better. Yeah. You know, who, who can make the agency even better in addition to, you know, people who are talented and, and, and have, you know, great work behind them. Yeah. And what is it, what, uh, if you were to give one piece of advice to a young person out there listening to this uh, who's about to take an ad house class, uh, <laughs> uh, and so they're, they're going to do that, but what, what, what's the one piece of advice you give them? Well, it's tough. It's, it's, I, I think it's different now trying to get into advertising, certainly, than when you and I were getting in. You know, me, me going to class at night. Mm-hmm. Um, for a few years is probably a little different than now simply because the, your, your website, your work, your portfolio, look, it's a different look. There's different yeah. components to it. Yeah. I think in the end, what people are looking for are big ideas. Um, and my advice would be if you're, you know, if you are going to school at night and trying to, you know, put together work to get your first job. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can find a mentor, then that's going to go a long way. And I try and be that for people yeah. if I can, because I had those people when I was trying to get into the business. And yeah. now, you know, I my name is on the list of my college. I get calls sometimes from people at Lafayette, and I'm more than happy to see them. Or I get right. uh, people... You know, sometimes through a friend, someone wants to come see me. And I, I really want to help people get into the business because it's so hard to do on your own. Yeah. Um, so in addition to those classes, you know, can you – how can you be around um, creatives and, and, yeah. and people in advertising? And not just – and I don't just mean – so that they can help you get a job. I, right. I mean, so some of it can rub off can on soak you. Soak in, yeah. And because that's what I wanted, I like you. I mean, I was trying to, I was soaking it all in, yeah, uh, and and loving it because right. I knew it was all important and it was all part of, you know, getting getting better. Also, I think um, practice typing. <laughs> that's something you want to do. Everyone can type nowadays, but yeah, I use two typing. fingers and I hunt and peck. But you, I'm, you still I'm, hunt and peck. I'm in the business just like you, Dan. So I somehow I, I feel like I got one up on you. You're you're better looking and, uh, you know, have more talent. But I didn't have – I still hunt and peck, so I feel like I got around you. Interesting. Well, you've you've got something going on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, how can people find you on the social medias? Uh, on the social media. Are you on the Twitter? Are you on the, uh, or, or? You know, I I do have a Twitter handle. It's uh, on the pale side. But (laughs) – but I'll be honest with you, I don't use Twitter, and I don't right. like it. Yeah. I really don't. I th- it sucks. I, here's what I, I think. I just use I, it to tweet at the president, which is probably not the best thing for, for new business or, or – yeah, Dan's – yeah. Yes. I, I, here's what I think. I think it's – I'm kind of shying away from social media right now. Yeah. I'm trying to because I think it's, it's become all too consuming. Yes. And I think the presidential election did that. Like I was on it. 20 times a day trying right. to read what was happening. And I, it really, I became unhealthy. 
Yeah. Uh, but if anyone were to want to reach out to me on social media, um, Facebook is the place. Yeah. I don't check it all the time, but every couple of days I check it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I were to receive a message from someone, that's I would uh, I'd nice. get back to them on Facebook. Uh, and you uh, you got the Deutsch.com. So that's D-E-U-T-S-C-H. But it's but it's Deutsch deutschinc.com deutschinc.com so it was my email address at deutsch would be yes dan.kelleher at d-e-u-t-s-c-h-i-n-c.com okay we, right. we wanted to make it hard for people so we put the ink in there you may get some emails next week that would be great all right um you're not in can i'm not in can but we're here and it feels like we just had a nice little hour together i like this this was this good was fun yeah i think we did well yeah. High, I, I, high, virtual I high so. five, Dan Kelleher. <laughs> well, it was good talking to you, man. It was great talking to you, too. Um, did you take care of that other thing? Because you, you had texted me about something. Can I ask you a question? On, yeah. on a scale versus other podcasts, yes. is, is mine more boring? Where do you think I'm I— I'm looking at Matt. Matt's going to tell me. He's going to give me a, a number. Where? How am I doing? Am I, am I at least middle of the pack? You're, he's giving you a seven. Okay, I'll take a seven because there's some, there's some heavy <laughs> he's hitters a tough, in there. He's a tough uh, judge. I, yeah, he, I'm he's looking, looking at, at my. He actually gave you a nine, and I. I'm I, looking I, at my I, picture I of Matt right seven. now on my wall. Matt. Yeah. Now he's <laughs> kissing your poster. That's not cool, Matt. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I don't know how he got that shirtless picture of you, but it's great. It looks great. It's been circulating for a while. It looks it's amazing. on social media, from yeah. what I understand. Eric Silver yeah. used to call you Handsome Dan. He'd yell down the hallway, Handsome Dan! I had hair back then. You did that, have hair. I, it may have been justified. Now, I'm not so sure. I don't know. Hair's overrated, but that's me. That, that's what we ball guys say. Saying yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Let's get a beer. We should have like yeah. an A-list beer where we all hang out together. I like it. Thanks, man. See you, Tom. Bye. Bye-bye. So uh, that was my chat with Dan. He's a he's a handsome man. He really is. Uh, there is no poster on the wall. Uh, Matt did give him a nine, and I moved it down to a seven because I think I'm jealous. I think I'm just, uh, just a jealous man. Uh, but uh, that was a really good conversation. I really liked it. Uh, Dan's a good guy. You should email him, I guess, because he gave him he gave you his email address. He did not give me his password to his website, though, so I'm still waiting on that. This has been The A-List, brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. Thanks for listening. Please rate us and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Please, we need that because we got to get we got to get the search up, the ROI or the SEO. I don't know what it is, Matt or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to be interviewed for an upcoming episode, contact us through adhousenyc.com. Lauren Slaff will be happy to uh, to assist you. You can follow me on, uh, on Instagram. Why not? At Mongo Industries. And you can check out DeMassimo Goldstein on Instagram at DeMassimo Goldstein, right? All one word. The A-List is recorded at Gramercy Post, which you can find at gramercypost.com in New York City. And our engineer, as always is Matt Stillo. Thanks, Matt. Bye.